to episode 216 of the Various Sundry Podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from our virtual studio on the internet by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who is in the same city as the All-Star Game but was not actively playing, John Scott Sloat. I guess I didn't think about that. I suppose the All-Star Game is here. Uh, yeah. Last, huh. I mean, I yeah. knew it was here, but I didn't think that, like, I was going there. Uh, but you're right. I mean, probably none of those All-Stars are still here, right? Don't you think they flew out this morning? They're all gone. They they, they probably hopped the first private charter jet they could get out of town after the game last night. Man, what a life to be flying charter, uh, to be flying private, you know? Yeah. But I mean, you wouldn't want to do all that traveling. I mean, you do a you do a decent bit of traveling for your current job, but it's nothing compared to being an NBA athlete. No, I mean, I wouldn't mind being carted around like an NBA player. You know, I mean, I mean, <laughs> the amount of thinking those guys do. Uh, you know, they go, they go, they do their job, but they don't think about their travel arrangements. They don't think about the hotel no. they're staying at. They're probably not even thinking about a lot of their meals. Um, that's a lot of that is taken care of for them. Um, yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, that would be real nice. It could be. It could be. I mean, I don't know. I, you strike me as the kind of guy, though, who uh, after a while would like a little agency. Yeah, yeah. And I think those guys have some agency. They can go out in the evening. They can sit in their room and read. They can do they do lots of stuff. But yeah. you're right. I like my I like my agency. Yeah. Well, yeah, so you are joining us uh, from your lovely hotel room in the Hilton. Is that where you're at? Yeah, I'm. Uh, this is a Homewood Suites, uh, which um... is a, which is a Hilton. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm like ten minutes from Meridian. If you know Meridian, the, the road. Yeah. Um, yep. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm in like a college area of oh. of Indianapolis, like a little bit northwest, but not like Zion's quite okay yeah yeah you're probably not too far from college park then i saw a sign on the drive-in that said college park so yeah though they do have multiple campuses oh well not campuses like i think they have like plants church plants but the main one is is i think pretty close to probably where you are then well and i think this area is called college park like i don't think it's like i assume the church is nearby like i'm sure the church is close to there but I think yeah. the 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 area is called College Park. I think. Well, if you would like to contact the show and uh, improve John's knowledge of Indianapolis geography, you can find us on Twitter at VNS Pod. You can email the show various and sundry podcast at gmail.com. We are on Facebook and on YouTube, and we would love for you to leave a five-star rating for us. All right, John, uh, let's talk some sports. Okay. Uh, NBA All-Star Game last night is probably the the headliner there. Uh, despite the fact you were not invited to play, uh, yeah. both teams did put up a lot of points. Yeah, it was, it was a high-scoring affair for sure. Yeah, yeah the East won... Uh, 211 to 186. Yeah. Which I, is by far never, the highest scoring all-star game in NBA history. I never thought I thought I'd see 200 uh broken in in an all-star game, an NBA game, even an all-star game. Yeah. Well, I mean when you play no defense, I mean <laughs> it, it's bound to happen, I suppose. Who led the way in score? that game do you know uh, i don't know who who had the most points i know damian lillard won mvp um and he he hit two half court three pointers just dribbled down the floor and just pulled up from half court and hit him um uh carl anthony towns had 50 points in that game okay all right that's just wild yeah <laughs> That's just just <laughs> wild. Yeah, on, no defense being played on twenty five of thirty five. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and four of thirteen um, on threes. Yeah. Uh, did you watch any of the other? 
you know, like the dunk contest, the three point shooting contest or any of the other stuff? No, no, I didn't watch any of it. Um, I, I mean, I saw clips and highlights, but that was about it. Yeah. I didn't watch it either. I, I feel like, uh, the dunk contest, um, is just kind of played out. Like, I, I, I don't know. I see clips and I'm like, you know, it feels like the dunks were better 25, 30 years ago. I don't know. I, I heard the, the ratings of them as well. Like the judges yeah. are just like, everything's either amazing. Um, everything's a 50 basically. Yeah. Uh, so J- Jalen Brown, I saw some clips that people did not like his dunks. Yeah. Uh, but. Well, I, I don't know. And they, I guess they changed the format back. Like in the last few years, they did like every quarter was, was a, uh, whoever won the quarter, the, the charity that, that, that team was playing for got a hundred thousand dollars or whatever it was. Uh, and then for the fourth quarter, they played the the so-called Elam ending, which is once you get to a certain time point, then they add, you know, 10, 15 points, whatever, to the team that's leading and say, okay, first one to get to that wins. They did away with all of that this year and just went back to sort of the tradition. And they didn't have like drafting. They didn't have like team LeBron and team Steph. Oh, it was just yeah. East versus West. I kind of like that better. I kind of like East first West, I think a bit better. Yeah. I, I would like to see them keep the quarter by quarter thing. Cause I do think it keeps it a little bit more competitive mm-hmm. as opposed to just w- when there's no real, nothing really on the line, then, you know, you're going to get guys who won't play any defense. Yeah. And so you get a final score of two eleven one eighty six. And 50 points for Carl Anthony Towns, which in I'm pretty sure he's done that in a regular game. I'm sure he's done 50 pointers before. He's probably been close if he hasn't. Yeah. So anyway, um, that was not my favorite uh, sporting event of the weekend. You might guess what my favorite sporting event of the weekend was. Um, Would it be college basketball? It would be college basketball. Yes. So uh, Ohio State fired their coach midweek after another embarrassing loss to Wisconsin. The Taylor grad? Yes. Finally. (laughs) Wow. Such hate towards our Taylor uh, (laughs) listeners. All all like four of them that we have. Yeah, Um, I get one. Yeah. And uh, so they turned it over to an interim because they're going to, you know, hire a coach during the offseason. And uh, they beat Purdue at home. Number two, Purdue. They beat Purdue at home with this interim coach. So, hmm. uh, and actually, Jake and Autumn were at the game. Were they really? Yeah, oh, that's great. Yeah, so they went to uh, to Columbus and uh, got to see Zach and Sarah in Columbus. Attended the mothership for services. Hmm. So, yeah. It's a good weekend for him. Awesome. Um, and speaking of college basketball, I mean, we've got uh, March Madness coming up. We're only a few weeks away from uh, championship week. And then, of course, the NCAA tournament starts. And uh, for those of you who might be new to the pod, we are going to continue our tradition. We've done it every year the pod has existed, except for the year that COVID hit and wiped it out. So, which I guess that would have been the first year, wouldn't it? That would have been the first year. Yeah. Yeah. So we've had a a bracket competition every year that the NCAA tournament has been uh, played. So uh, we'll do that again this year. And uh, yeah, we'll offer one of my books as a, uh, as a, as a prize. Awesome. So we'll, uh, we'll get you information about that. Uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks, we'll set that up and people can uh, compete for that. It comes up like the third week of March. I think this tournament starts. It's pretty late yeah. in March. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so you still got time. Got some time to start watching college basketball, though. Actually, watching college basketball might um, diminish your odds of doing well in the bracket yeah. competition. So that's something to be aware of. 
Uh, and then we should uh, we should also mention the Grace men's basketball team. Uh, no longer undefeated. They did yeah. drop a game to to Huntington. Yep. Um, which was disappointing. But uh, they bounced back with a uh, a home victory over that team up north. Uh, not the Michigan Wolverines, but in the world of Grace College, the team up north is the Bethel Pilots. Ship pilots. Yeah. Not even not even plane pilots. Ship pilots. Correct. Which, For like, a basically landlocked yeah. institution. Yeah. Yeah. I, that makes no sense. Makes zero sense. <laughs> ship pilots Ugh. yeah yeah what are they thinking what are they thinking so um we should probably actually we should circle back to um to the nba for a minute your knicks have been playing pretty well going into are they not uh what what, what, what you know what place they are in the uh in the eastern standings they were three for 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 a hot minute um i think they've Drop down to four, maybe. Yeah, they've dropped down to four below the Bucks, um, but uh, they've made some trades and they aren't incredibly healthy right now. If they, when they get healthy, which they don't have long term injuries, but when they're healthy, I, I think they could make a a good playoff run. So, very excited um, about the Knicks. Very excited. Uh, and then uh, we haven't talked any spring training stuff yet. Have have pitchers and catchers reported yet? Where are we at here with that? Yeah, they they reported around uh, just just after Valentine's Day. Normally, the week after the Super Bowl, they start reporting. Um, all players, all position players, I believe, are in camp now. And I think um, this week or this weekend, spring training games start. Uh, so baseball season is uh, is a coming. So you you often purchase the uh mlb is it called what is it called mlb pass mlb extra innings what's the name of the like uh mlb at bat okay uh are you going to purchase that again this year yeah yeah and does it include uh spring training games it does wow it includes spring training games and uh, and affiliates. So uh, not only do you get the Mets, but I could watch Triple A, Double A, Single A, Low A. Wow! So if you if you are hardcore, uh, even going doing the deep dive scouting on the future of your team, yeah, yeah, I don't do that. I I <laughs> I, I uh, there's not enough hours in the day basically for me to uh, okay to do that. But yes, that would be an option. Okay. <laughs> that's hilarious that would be an option um so what do you think in the what what is your expectation slash hope for your beloved Mets last year was a dumpster fire yeah yeah this year feels like um um it feels like they raised their floor uh and their ceiling is sort of unknown at this point so uh they could have a team that is the playoffs um they play in a really good division so that that's part of the reason why uh but uh they've added a bunch of uh new starting pitching uh and they're all sort of on prove it contracts like one guy uh previously had like a uh around a three era with the yankees this is uh luis severino um but last year he had like a six plus era and supposedly was tipping his pitches, and he's got that figured out now, supposedly. Uh, and he's coming a one-year deal for like twelve million to the Mets to sort of prove it, to prove that he's um, that he's not tipping his pitches and he can be the sub three RA ERA guy that he was before. So they've got a lot of contracts like that. They signed a center fielder named Harrison Bader for one year, and he's like the best defensive center fielder in baseball. Uh, but he hit below 200 last year. Uh, and so he needs to prove that he can hit um, and stay healthy. He was injured a lot last season. So yeah, um, he needs to prove that. Uh, they have a lot of guys like that. Um, their bullpen is full of those guys. They probably have six or seven guys in the bullpen that will move back and forth between AAA and the majors who are, who are like, 
eh, basically your metrics are really good. You just haven't been able to prove it. And you, mm-hmm. so they have a lot of guys on prove it. So if things break right for them, um, they could be, they could, they could, I, I don't think they're a world series team, but I think they're, they're a playoff team. Uh, certainly. And I think they could even win a series, maybe two. Um, the pitching is going to have to, is going to have to show up. They have some pretty good hitters. They're letting their rookies play as, or their young players play as well, which they didn't do last year. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I think they've raised their floor. Um, but I, I, I don't know where their ceiling is at. Well, we'll have to keep close tabs on that as we always do on this program. They got a new guy running him. His name's David Stearns. Uh, he's my age, which is just wild that the president of baseball <laughs> operations for the New York Mets is I'm, yeah. I'm the same age as him. So yeah, um, he built those uh, those very good uh, Milwaukee Brewers teams with no money. Uh, and uh, so the hope is that he can do that in New York with money now. Yeah. All right. Well, we should probably move on. You ready to move on, John? Sure. So today we are beginning a little mini series on uh, what are often referred to as the Christ hymns. And so these are places in Paul's letters where it appears like he is um, quoting a... uh, what looks like it could have been an early Christian hymn. Mm-hmm. Uh, h- hard to say whether these were actually um, sung or whether they're just sort of like elevated prose or almost poetry uh, that um, weren't sung. I mean, the, the term hymn is not used to specifically describe them. That's a sort of modern scholarly uh, label. So we're starting our uh, our series on that. Uh, the first one we're going to do is Philippians 2, uh, 5 through 11. And uh, John, I'm going to have you read that in just a minute. Uh, I will add that um, there's a good bit of scholarly debate about whether um, Paul wrote these. I think most scholars probably lean towards they they think that he didn't and that he's borrowing them from someone else that these were maybe at some level kind of well known and he's just including them at at various points in his letters um and yet i'll just add some sometimes people try to make some sort of distinction between say uh well here's this christ hymn its theology is a little bit different than paul's theology or its vocabulary is a little bit different than Paul's vocabulary. And even if that's true, the reality is he quotes it, he includes it in his letter, he's obviously endorsing it. So even if you want to claim that there's some sort of difference, it to me that doesn't make any difference because he's endorsing it by putting it in his letter. It's not like saying, well, I agree with the first three lines, but that fourth line is actually kind of problematic. He's just quoting it and saying, this is true. So I don't feel like discussions of authorship of who wrote these hymns really does much for us. So where, where do you fall? Do you, I mean, now that you've said that it doesn't matter, um, where do you fall? Did, did Paul write these or were these borrowed or what, what's your best sense? Um, I think I would probably go case by case. Um, I think that probably the ones in Philippians and Colossians, I think he probably wrote. Okay. The one in First Timothy, I'm less sure about. Hmm. That strikes me as a little less Pauline, just in terms of style, than these other two. Okay. Um, and I, I've always seen these uh, as like... Um how uh, uh, almost early creeds, uh, is, is is that how you would see them as well? Like trying to explain the person of Jesus Christ seems to be a, a quest of the church early on um, and today. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I think, um, I guess it depends on how we're defining creed. Um, I don't think that they are necessarily, uh, because they're so, they're so short and so limited. Um, I, I don't know that I would go with creed on that, uh, cause they're just, so, they're so narrow in scope. Hmm. Um, but uh, they 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 do have in one sense a sort of creedal function in defining who Jesus is and what he's done uh, and why it matters. So um, in that sense, they can function similarly. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, we ready to to give it a read here? Yeah, let's do it. All right, uh, Philippians two five to eleven. Uh, for those of you following along at home, uh, verse five. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All right. So lots of great stuff in there. Uh, we'll have to um limit our discussion given uh, the constraints of uh of what we're dealing with here um i think the section on these verses in my commentary is by far the longest section of any uh in the commentary so uh lots to to potentially dig into um i, I thought i'd start by uh maybe summarizing the context because it can be tempting sometimes just to jump right in and then treat the Christ him and not realize what the larger context is. Mm -hmm. um, so in the, uh, this is part of the main letter uh, body that stretches from 127 all the way to 4.3, at least in my uh, estimation. And uh, in 127 to 30, Paul's calling uh, believers to live as citizens of God's kingdom, worthy of the gospel, even in the face of opposition. And then 2, 1 to 4, uh, he calls them to complete his joy by living a life of unity and uh, self-sacrificial um, love for each other. And then uh, the Christ him itself there's sort of a hinge there in verse five, right? Uh, have this mind uh, among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And so he's tying a direct connection between the mindset that believers are supposed to have and the mindset that, uh, mm. that Christ had. So trying a clear connection there. And I think sometimes... We can rush so quickly to the rich theology in the text that we miss out on the, well, why is Paul telling us this about Jesus? It's because he wants believers to embrace the same kind of mindset that Christ demonstrates as described in the hymn. And, and I'm I'm pretty sure I'm right there, but uh, part, part of the issue that's going on in Philippi is that there's people that aren't living this way that aren't getting along within the midst of the church. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you've got um, things overall, I think seem to be going pretty well in the Philippian church. And then you get to, to chapter four and you have Paul doing something that he, uh, he very rarely does. He calls out two people by name. Yeah. Like he, he, he will often talk about, well, you know, there are these issues in the church and this issue in the church, uh, but it's not very common that he goes name calling. Yeah, he like normally it's, oh, the troublemakers or yeah. uh, 
those that want to do harm or those that want to make a name for themselves or something like that. And yeah. he, he outright calls out the names of these people. Yeah. I mean, when you think about like all the stuff going on in Corinth, right. You know, and he, he still uses generic. I hear there's a man who is doing <laughs> this and he's doing something seemingly way worse than what apparently is going on here. But he calls out Euodia and Syntyche uh, by name. Great names. Basically, yeah, Great tells names. them, uh, get along. <laughs> um, so, you know, there there clearly is some sort of uh, potential for disunity. Probably have something happening where people are maybe beginning to take sides and some people are siding with one and one others are siding with the other person. And so, uh, but in any case... The, the the Christ him itself, I think pretty naturally breaks down into uh, that command there in verse five to have the same mindset, which that's a key verb all throughout Philippians, that that verb phreneo, to, to think, to have a mindset, probably the closest almost in our contemporary English uh, experience would be the idea of, of a mindset or worldview. A frame of reference, a, a way of looking at the world is kind of the idea. And then you've got in verses 6 through 8, a description of what Christ did. And then in verses 9 through 11, you have a description of what God the Father did. Hmm. So that's kind of the, the, the big picture breakdown. Um, but uh, yeah, so John, when you when you read through this, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff going on in here, but what are some you know, things that immediately catch your attention uh, in looking through this Christ hymn? Well, I mean, the first thing, and I, I know I've read this before, but uh, the the second half of verse five, which is yours in Christ Jesus, this uh, mindset that you're talking about, this worldview belongs to us because of our union with Jesus Christ. Um, that's a very yeah. encouraging, uh, encouraging thing. Um, beyond that, uh, the description of the mindset itself, um, um, Jesus, um, though he was in the form of God, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, emptying himself. That's also very interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. uh, that those feel like big things in there that, uh, that, um, that feel hard or maybe even confusing. Uh, so yeah, maybe, maybe we start with those two things. How is Jesus in the form of God? And then how does one empty himself? <laughs> yeah. Um, let me give, um, one more structural note that I think can help, uh, move us towards that. So in verses six through Eight in describing uh, what Jesus did, uh, what Christ did. He, it, it actually there are three indicative verbs. So here's our grammar lesson for the uh, <laughs> for the episode. Um, so three indicative verbs. He did not count. Okay. Um. He emptied himself okay and he humbled himself okay so those are the three kind of key main ideas everything else in that section is related in some fashion to one of those um and so in terms of the did not count equality with god a thing to be grasped um i think we have to in one sense explain that before we uh, explain what it means that he was in the form of God in that previous mm. clause. So uh, I think that that language of did not count him did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Uh, and this is um, something that uh, it is hard to, it, it seems like there's a lot of Old Testament allusions going on in here. And so sorting those out, 
uh, can be tricky. Uh, some have seen a uh, direct contrast with Adam, uh, who uh, was made in the image of God, not the form of God, but the image right. of God, and grasped after, you know, divine uh, prerogatives, right, by deciding to choose for himself what was right and wrong. Yeah, yeah. So some see that as sort of a an a, a sort of inverted allusion to Genesis three, uh, which it could be. That's possible. But I think that whole idea of a thing to be grasped—that's a very common uh, common. It's a very within New Testament scholarship. It's a well-known uh, debated point as to what that term actually means. Uh, I think probably the best way to explain it is it has the sense of something to be exploited. Yeah, ESV gives a footnote and says, or a thing to be held on uh, for advantage. Yeah. Yeah, so the sense of something to be used for one's own selfish uh, purposes would, would kind of be the idea. Hmm. In which case, it's saying that that's what Christ didn't do that he didn't view his existence as being in the form of God as something to be used for his own selfish advantage, but for the advantage of others is the hmm. idea. And that brings us back to that previous clause of uh, who, though he was in the form of God, I think the idea is simply that when you think about the the sort of the, the Gentile slash pagan background of of most if not all of these believers in philippi they grew up with stories about the gods the roman and greek gods who were the epitome of using their divine abilities and powers for their own selfish advantage yeah i mean if you know anything about oh, anything yeah. remotely about greek and roman mythology about the gods they're all scheming, conniving, uh, you know, manipulating, seeking so power. Yeah, yeah, it's all over the and place. And so, I think what what Paul is saying here is that that's not what Christ is, even though he was fully God. He is the form of God. He is the visible representation of God's very essence. Is the idea there? So. That's the that's probably the first thing you have to unpack. Mm. The next one, which you already mentioned, is the idea of emptied himself. In verse, uh, where is that? That's verse seven. Now, if you read this in the NIV, I think they translate it something like "made himself nothing." So I think they they try to avoid the um, the the potential perceived problem here. Because some people have taken this as, oh, so Christ gave up some of his divine attributes in taking on flesh. and becoming human, he gave up some of his uh, divine uh, attributes, which, of course, is not a biblical view. Sure. Uh, and you know what? It even shows up in—I uh, forget the name of the hymn, but— um, it's a Charles Wesley hymn. Hmm. Uh, he uses the line, emptied himself of all but love. I can't remember the name of the hymn, uh, but there's a line in there. And every time we sing it, I abstain <laughs> from, from singing that line because it's not true. It's 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 a poetic thought, but it's not true. Um, But... Here's where some good Greek grammar skills actually help you. Uh, that line emptied himself is then modified by three participles in Greek that tell you what it means. What does it mean that he emptied himself? And that's the next few lines. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, by being born in the likeness of men, and by... Uh, being found in human form. So 
the, that's what it means that he emptied himself. So there's an interesting paradox here um, that the, the way that he empties himself is by taking some, taking things on, like adding. It's an odd thing, right? He yeah, empties yeah. himself by taking on human flesh, by taking the form of a servant, mm-hmm. by um, being made or being born in the likeness of men. So he's not giving up anything. He's actually taking upon himself things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I noticed that like he empties himself and how he does that is is by taking on the form of a servant. Yeah. And so this is where, uh, I mean, Paul is, is all this is going to towards helping us see the full humanity of Jesus. He is fully human mm-hmm. in every aspect. Uh, and then in verse eight, it's talking about him humbling himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So all of that is stressing basically what Christ has done. Then verses nine through 11 are God, the father's response. And it focuses on exaltation and the idea that God, the father exalts Christ um, because of this. And central to that section is an allusion to, it's almost a quote, quite frankly, of Isaiah 45, Hmm. uh, verse 23. And what's striking about this is that section uh, where it talks about uh, every knee bowing and every tongue confessing. In Isaiah 45, that's that's describing what's going to happen to Yahweh. Hmm. And elsewhere in, in that surrounding context, uh, Yahweh makes it clear, I don't share my glory with anybody else. <laughs> so basically what this passage is showing us is that Christ is in fact Yahweh in the flesh who will receive this universal acclaim um, in the passage here. And that, of course, uh, is that's the most direct reference to Isaiah, but I think even the language of the form of a servant and even some of the description of his death, I think all of that yeah. uh, is rooted in uh, Isaiah 53 kind of stuff. Well, I remember taking this class with you when I was a student, and I remember, I think we spent like a quarter of the semester on these five verses, <laughs> and we were just- Maybe. We were just diving in and finding all the allusions to Isaiah, and uh, I, there are some other Old Testament passages in there as well, but the ones that stick out to me are like the number of references to Isaiah uh, that are uh, that are there is uh, intense. There's there's just a lot of them. Yeah, and uh, there's a whole section in the commentary where I try to unpack that. Y- you took this pre-commentary, didn't you? Pre-commentary, yeah. It was it was uh, it was pre-commentary. Yeah. You were writing the commentary when I took this. Yeah. Um. Many moons so, ago. Yes. Many moons ago. Yes. So I I want to land our discussion because I know we need to move on, but. Um, there's such rich theology here, and it's remarkable what it says about Jesus. Um, but uh, there's a lot of uh, biblical theology that runs through this, and but even on a sort of application level, on the one hand, this should comfort us as believers. Mm -hmm. This is going to happen. Every knee is going to bow, even the most ardent atheist and hater of God is going to bow the knee. And secondly, this should be a uh, a motivation for evangelism. Mm. That uh, the choice is whether you bow the knee willingly now or you bow it unwillingly <laughs> when Christ returns in power and you're about to experience his wrath. Mm. And so this should be a motivation to evangelism to proclaim the good news to people who don't know Christ because they will bow the knee. It's just a matter of whether it's now willingly or later unwillingly. Yeah, I I always think of this hymn as sort of uh, as part of the basis for some of the creeds we have in church history over his deity, uh, his is um, Christ deity, Christ uh, being both fully human and fully man. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think Philippians, this section of Philippians 2 is foundational uh, for um, those later developments. 
and I'll just add briefly that, um, you know, sometimes critical scholars will say things like, well, it wasn't until much later to like the end of the first century that the early Christians thought Jesus was God. It's not until the gospel of John comes along. You're like, oh, now we think that Jesus is actually fully God. Yeah. And you read a text like this and you understand what Paul is saying here. He's taking language that is true of Yahweh. And he's saying it's now true of Jesus. Yeah. That's the, that's sort of the do the theological math. And th this letter's written around 60 AD, you know, probably 25 years, 20 to 25, maybe 30 years before the Gospel of John is even written. Yeah. So it just shows early on that the the early Christians believed in the deity of Jesus. This was this was not a later development that came along, like, you know, it'd be really cool if he was also God. Like, no, that's kind of from the start. They were convinced. Yeah, yeah. They didn't have it all worked out in terms of what it meant, but they believed it was true. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Well, there's way more we could talk about there, but uh, we are in danger of running long. So it is time now for this day in sports history. All right. This day in sports history, February 20th, 20th of February. Uh, 1960, Soviet females sweep the 10K cross-country event at Squaw Valley. First sweep for the Soviets at the Winter Games, Maria Gosakava, goodness, uh, wins <laughs> from uh, Lubov Kazriva and Radya Yershina. Yeah, love those, those Russian, Soviet names. Yeah, those are tough. Um, I there's, there's gonna there's gonna be a bit of a theme, a Russian theme to this one, John. Yeah. Um, anytime the Soviets win anything, I automatically go. I don't know if I trust it. Oh, 100 percent, hundred percent. There, there's a good, there's a good bit of, uh, uh, you know, uh, I have Rocky Four in my head, basically. Um, 1980. Uh, Soviet two-time world champion team uh, Natalia Linchuk uh, and Gennady Karpansansov, oh boy, uh, wins the <laughs> Olympic ice dance gold medal at Lake Placid by just 0.96 from uh, <laughs> Kristina uh, Reguski, I don't know, and uh, Andras Salah of Hungary. I have no sure. clue if I got any of those right. <laughs> and when I know you don't jump in to correct me, I know you don't know either. <laughs> probably. Probably. Uh, all right. Uh, on this day in 1981, Quebec's Czech rookie brothers Peter and Anton uh, Stansi. I have no clue. Each score their first. Yes. Yeah, Stasny. Stotsny. There, there, there's weird accent marks and umlauts all over this one. Yeah, I'm see, I'm seeing three. They're starting to move on me, tell you the truth. Um <laughs> each score first career NHL hat tricks in Norquiz Nordiques. Nordiques uh 9-3 win at Vancouver. Peter added three assists, Anton two. Oh boy. You got all a right. chance Let's... at the next one. Uh 1998. Uh, we're in my lifetime now. Uh, Vancouver Canucks, right wing Pavel Bure, Bure uh, scores five goals for Russia in a 7-4 semifinal win over Finland at the uh, uh, Nagano Winter Games. Did I say that right? Nagano? Is that what it is? I think it's Nagano. Nagano? Yep. Is that uh, Japan? I believe so. Okay. Uh 2014, after winning the individual Large Hill 10K Nordic Combine uh, title, Jorgen uh, Graubach of Norway wins his second gold medal at the Sochi Winter Olympics in the team Large uh, Large Hill 4x5-kilometer relay. Yep. Good for One him. One more, John. Uh, 2018 Dutch skater uh, Jorien Ter Morse 
becomes the first female to win Olympic medals in two different sports at a winter's game in a town. Uh, 1,000-meter speed skating gold, 3,000-meter short track relay bronze. I think that's Pyeongchang. Pyeongchang, I think that's right. Is the town, yes. I think that's right. Where is Pyeongchang? Uh, is that China? I was thinking Korea, but I'm I'm not totally. Oh, that could sure. be Korea. Could be Korea. All right, John. Well, out of that stellar list, I mean, we're in winter Olympic season. I mean, football season is done, and we're right around this like all star basketball yeah. weekend. So you're not getting a lot of like stuff like that. So. Well, we'll get into March Madness stuff soon enough. Um, I'll probably go the 1981 rookie brothers who both score hat tricks. Um, Peter and Anton Stostny. Stostny. That's pretty impressive for brothers to score hat tricks on the same night, let alone them both being rookies. I can go with that. Um, and we don't do a ton of hockey here. So uh, that's true. And I, I want to see all those accent marks in our show title, quite frankly. We'll see if they translate. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, so we'll go with that. One thing you liked. All right. I This is a one thing I like every year um, about this time. My fantasy baseball league has started our slow draft. Um, and we go around and text one another draft picks so it's a group chat with 12 guys and you have 18 hours to make a pick uh and so when it's your turn you can you can sleep through the night whatever but you have to text in your pick within an 18 hour time block we have since we have so many pastors in the league we have put a sabbatical on sunday picking so um the clock does not run on sundays that's that seems like a reasonable choice yeah um so i i mean there have been no picks today uh on monday uh the last text i saw was from six o'clock last night um and oh. we're waiting on uh uh we're waiting on a area church's worship pastor who i will not shame uh right now but he takes so, a lot of a lot of heat from our group for his long time in picks what happens if you go past the 18 hour limit? Uh, the next guy, the the next guy gets to pick. You still get to pick, but he can now jump you um uh, and take your pick. I'm not aware that it's ever happened. Our uh our commissioner, who is also our pastor, does a really good job of nudging guys uh when they're getting close to the 18 hour mark. And so does does the commissioner then like just record and have to go in? to whatever service you're using to say, okay, John Sloat drafted um, Noah Syndergaard, enter that in. And then the next guy drafts whoever. Yeah, he has to go in and enter every single one of them. My sense is, is that he keeps a tab open on his computer, even while at home and just hops on over and does it. But he's really committed to it. Okay. He's really, it's a, it's a good way to, we started this drafting, I think during COVID. Uh, because we all had so much time on our hands um, and we really enjoy it. It's better than like sitting at your computer and having two minutes to make a decision, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So for sure. be able to think through it. I really like that. Okay. There you go. So that's my one thing. Fantasy baseball draft. So I, I'm struggling to remember if I use this or not, but I'm reading an action novel series by Jack Carr. And um, I just finished the is the fourth book now. It's either the third or the fourth book. Okay. Um, but it's about uh, so Jack Carr himself is a retired SEAL, and um, so the book is about a a, a sort of uh, well a a former Navy SEAL and his uh, his. Uh, adventures so to speak um but what's fascinating about it is that uh because he's a former seal he every every novel he writes 
has to pass a clearance through the Department of Defense. Like he has to submit the manuscript and they go through and they they read. And oh, if there's anything that they're like, yeah, no, that's that's too revealing. Uh, of like that we have people there or we have a base there or we have done stuff there. Interesting. And what's fascinating, part of what's fascinating is instead of him like just deleting it, he literally X's it out. So you'll be reading along and you'll say uh, a group of operators from and then just a series of X's uh, approached in there and then a series of X's because it's some sort of specialized like, you know, boat or helicopter or something that he's not cleared to reveal the existence of or something like that. Wow. Which actually gives it a little bit of a realism feel. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 pretty good writing. the 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 plots are interesting. Um, it's good, mindless entertainment uh, that uh, is is gripping enough to keep my interest. So, uh, some people might be familiar. So, the first book in the series is called Terminal List, hmm. which was converted into an Amazon limited series, starring Chris Pratt. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think, I don't know if I've watched it, but I've definitely heard of it. So that's actually the first novel in the series that they turned mm. into a limited series there with with Pratt. So, um, yeah, so that is my one thing I liked. Nice. All right, John, we have talked NBA All-Star Game. We have talked a little spring training baseball. We've talked about the Christ hymn in Philippians 2. We have talked about two brothers, Czech rookie brothers, Peter and Anton Stostny, scoring hat tricks. We have talked about your fantasy baseball draft, and we have talked about Jack Carr's novel series. And so I think by definition, we have covered our various and sundry topics. And so all that's left to say is... Until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.